you know, going into this Saturday, I don't think they're going to be able to pull it off. I mean, it, it shocked me. That's Well, here we go. It's last play of the game here. If they don't do it now, nothing's going to happen. Back in the pocket. Looks, looks, fires. Oh, my God, he caught it. He caught it. 10, 5, touchdown. This is Saturdays in the States. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Saturdays in the States. I'm your host, Andrew Parker. And week one is in the books, and there's a lot to get to. Uh, honestly, you know, here's my issue with week one. This is how I'm going to start off the this week's podcast right off the bat. Going to be honest with you. Week one games are a lot of fool's gold. The main reason why is because it's big-time teams, and they aren't facing big-time programs. And so what you see is you see high scoring, you see a lot of points, you see a lot of glamour, but it's against opponents that they will never, ever, ever see again throughout the entire season. So when it came to like Penn State and Idaho or Wisconsin and USF, I mean, yeah, those players look great and those ranked teams looked amazing, but it's all fool's gold. It's all fool's gold. None of it matters. So... I mean, I got really excited, you know, when Iowa was beating the tar out of Miami of Ohio, but none of it matters. It doesn't matter because none of those none of those teams they're facing are ever going to be like that again. I mean, you may have one team in your conference that's like that, but but a lot of those teams that you're facing, you, you, won't, you won't get to see ever throughout the rest of the season. The competition's going to be a lot harder. So in general, week one and week zero are one and the same in the sense that, yeah, there's a ton of football. But one of the issues is all about how, man, there's just, there's no true competition that you see. You know, it's, ah, uh, it's so hard. Anyway, getting onto that, one of the big things that I uh, saw, watched, was the Alabama-Duke game. And man, that was hard to watch. That was really, really hard to watch. And I don't know if anybody else caught it, but man, nobody was at that game. Nobody was at that game because everybody knew how it was going to go. Now, I guarantee you that some of the players' parents were there. I guarantee you that some of the the band's parents were there, but it was not sold out by any means. It was kind of a joke. I think everybody kind of walked into that game knowing the outcome. I mean, yeah, the first quarter was exciting, but Alabama had a lot of their players suspended. And so when your players are suspended... Um, Obviously, that makes things a little bit more difficult for people to understand. But it was just a blunder. It was so just boring to watch because we already knew the outcome before the game started. Alabama is such a dynamic program, and they're so hard to beat. It was just a joke. I mean, it was like if they were to play an F a lower-tier FBS school at home. That That's all it was. And I it was just... It was bad. Going to halftime, it was fun, but we all knew what was going to happen. We knew that three points was all that Duke team was going to get. Um, it was it was really hard to to watch, just knowing how it was wasting time. Now, with that being said, with all of these, you know, week weeks one games and how they they're all fools girl, they don't matter, and all about you know how the Bama game was just a waste of time. I will say this. For it being week one and there not being a lot of games, there was a lot of fun games to watch. Now let me break that down. There wasn't a lot of games as in we all kind of knew where everything was going to go. We knew that a lot of these teams were, you know, these were just games to get those big programs. Momentum started to get them finally hitting pads with another team that isn't their teammate. And, uh, you know, a lot of that was to be expected, but there were some fun games. 
oh my gosh, there were some fun games. I want to ask you what was worse, Tennessee, Iowa State, or Florida State? Which one of those was worse? Because let me break them down for you. Tennessee went into that game and they were favored by 26 points. Iowa State is a ranked team that had to go to triple overtime to beat Northern Iowa. And then you have Florida State that blew an 18-point lead. I don't know which one of those Week 1 games are worse if you're in that fan base. If I'm Tennessee, I would save my money and just end my time and just not watch. Because it's clear that it's a disaster there. And it's going to take a lot of work to be done to get that program back on its feet. Because what, what they saw, that was just pitiful. That was sad. That final uh, touchdown to put put the team up 38, uh, was it 30? They gave him 38 points in the end of the fourth quarter. I mean, that run almost epitomized what Tennessee's program is right now. It's just hard to watch. It's not fun for that fan program. But, man, that was fun to see that that lower-tier school uh, win. And I think the funnier part was how I'm pretty sure Tennessee paid them to play. Tennessee, that's how it goes in these college football games, these Week 1 games, is how Tennessee went in there. and Or uh, uh, the, the I think it was like Georgia, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, something like that. Uh, those those small, tiny schools are paid to play these big-time teams because it makes up a lot of their uh, revenue for their program, and they need it. And so they're willing to sacrifice players' bodies in a hor- horrific way to say, but they're willing to sacrifice uh, those players in order to gain the money for their program so that they can supply for the team. But it's even better when those small programs are paid to play at those big stadiums with all the fans and all the money, and they lose. And, or they, and they beat them, I should say. And, oh, God, that was fun to watch. The other one that I was, I was really amused by was Florida State and Boise State. That game was awesome. I, uh, I wanted Boise State to win. And knowing how that program is, how it's always been, even when they were down, I was like, That's not, they're not going to go away. They're not going to go away at all. Everybody knows that they came here to play the game. And so they just sticked with their system, kept pounding away. And one of the things that they pointed out in ESPN, and rightfully so, was how sometimes teams just don't know how to win. You know, Florida State was up by 18, and they blew that lead. And at times when you're up by such a lead and you're not used to it, sometimes your players are like, okay, we're up. What do we do now? And... uh pretty much all they had to do there was just keep running their system and obviously they had never been in that position and had not been in that position under Willie Taggart for quite some time so that uh that was one thing to keep your eyes on and then yet Iowa State and man that if you're talking about a game with fool's gold i think the Iowa State win was the 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 most fake thing you could see in a ranked team i would not be surprised if they fell out of the rankings i mean if you're a top 25 team you face you beat that team handedly. You beat them by twenty points at least. You do. It, it, I think if it's week one and you are facing a lower tier team and you takes you and it takes you three overtimes to finally pull it out in a game that you're heavily favored by, I think that that's a joke. I think that Iowa State will not be ranked in the top twenty five going uh, going forward next uh, next week, and I'd be scared for their season. And if I'm Iowa, and if I'm everybody else in the Big 12, if I'm Kansas, if I'm Oklahoma, I am licking my chops knowing that's a guaranteed victory. That right there is a guaranteed victory. I understand that in these Week 1 games, it's hard. It's early in the season because 
you're getting the rust off of off of these players because it's you know it's, they're getting out of doing the same drills and those linemen and defensive linemen are you know are you know they kind of get bored because they're they get used to the pattern that their their other teammate on their own team faces and they're facing that every single day. So to finally face somebody with you know a different pattern and a different skill set and different hand movements and stuff like that, I understand. But you're you're a top twenty five ranked team. You're heavily favored. You should take care of business. Yeah, maybe the first couple drives is a little bit of adjustment. But then after that, if you're that highly ranked and are that highly thought of as a team, you as a player should think, okay, I need to lock in, I need to do my assignment, and I need to lock this guy down. And Iowa State, it took them too long to get into that rhythm for the season. And that's a big setback if you're wanting to turn that program around. So if I was coach, I'd be doing a lot of film work. And I know they will. They're going to have so many things to correct. Um, it's just not even funny. So, I mean, hit me up on Twitter at APParker01 and let me know, what do you think was worse? Was it Tennessee? Was it Iowa State? Or was it the Florida State game? Because those three games were just disappointment. They were bad. If you're any of the fans in those fan bases, I would feel very, very bad for you. Oh, and another thing. I want to remind you, Tennessee was favored by 26 points and they lost. So, uh, yeah, go Vols. Yeah. Going into that, though, speaking of coaching mistakes... I, it was so heartwarming to hear Mac Brown talk at the end of the North Carolina game and the South Carolina. Oh, God. I had forgotten that North Carolina, or I didn't even realize, I should say, that North Carolina hired Mac Brown as a coach. I'm going to say this. Mac Brown needs to coach until he can't walk anymore. He was born to coach. And I, I don't blame him one bit for getting out of the, the ESPN spotlight and getting back on the field. They even played like his pregame speech. Oh, it was it was something out of a movie. That man was born to coach. And I don't care how, how bad or how good North Carolina is because they're going to get better and they're already half their win total from a year ago. They were 2-9 and nine last year, and they already have one of those two wins in Week 1 against South Carolina, an SEC team. I mean, they they have so much potential, and with a coach that, that not only is good, but he, he truly wants to coach. I mean, Mac Brown is a guy who... He was just made to coach. If you hear it in his voice, if you saw how emotional he got after that pro after that win for that program, he really, really cares. It was just so heartwarming to see, and and I loved how he kept saying how this is for the players. This is all for the players. Another thing he pointed out was, um, you know, he wanted it to be fun. He felt like every win at Texas was just a relief. It was another week of surviving at his job. Whereas here at North Carolina, I think that they understand that you, you have a great coach. They don't need to pressure him into anything. He can't really do anything wrong from two and nine. You know, as long as he tries, I get, he can guarantee him six wins, and he and he'll guarantee him that and more going forward. But it's just so nice and heartwarming to see Mac Brown back on the sideline at North Carolina. That was one of the headline moments of Week One with me, um, and that was the, that was I'd say the theme of, or I would say the theme was this of this whole week one, I'll say it again, was it was a lot of diamonds in the rough. I mean, yeah, like I said, a lot of the games are fool's gold with, with the teams that win deservedly like they should, but even with that, I'd say that there was some really quality games this first week that we did not expect. I think that's the fun part about college football, too, is that's why you play these games, because these are all kids. These aren't professionals, even though even though that they are treated like professionals, they're one step away pretty much from being treated like professionals. They, they're in state-of-the-art facilities, even though that they're world-class athletes. They're just kids. 
that's the one thing that I think we we forget about when we see them in the uniforms and we're playing on the field on these on national TVs and, and, and TV stations. It's these are kids; they can mess up at any any moment. And that was one of the beautiful things that we saw in the, of the sport this this week. One was it, anything can happen. Whether it was Iowa State, whether it was Tennessee, whether it was North the North Carolina South Carolina game. Uh, oh my goodness! It, it was it was nonstop action fun for college football and that makes me really happy because there are some weeks where there's not a lot of good games and week one is usually a guarantee one of those weeks where there just aren't any marquee games to watch and we were proven wrong and i am so happy i was because my goodness there was games that were just so so fun now one of the things if you're new to the uh program here at saturdays in the states what we like do is we focus on one team for the entire season and here in our inaugural year of Saturdays in the States the team that we are keeping track of is the Nebraska Cornhuskers uh it was it's the uh the second year under coach Scott Frost and I just want to kind of review what we had here um they beat Southern Alabama 35 to 21 now one of the key issues uh, that they were trying to, other than getting better on all areas, was getting rid of interceptions and turnovers in general. Um, so that was one thing that I was keeping an eye on throughout the game. Here are the stats uh, just online, comparing them from, from uh, Southern Alabama to Nebraska. So first down, Southern Alabama had more 19-15. Third down efficiency, um, it was about even. Uh, Southern Alabama, 7 for 18. Nebraska, 6 for 15. Um, fourth down efficiency, uh, uh, Southern, Southern Alabama was uh, 0 for 1, Nebraska 1 for 2. Total yards, this is kind of worrisome. Nebraska had only 276, and Southern Alabama had 314. And one of the key things that you watched while we were watching the Nebraska game was how it was the defense that was keeping them in this game. The offense was still a work in progress, and it was very obvious, but the defense is fine. And that was one thing that I said going into the Florida uh Miami game was how even if your offense isn't that good at least make sure that your defense is coached up well to keep you in games so that the lead can never get too far away now obviously Nebraska never trailed but it, that's kind of worrisome in a game where the the, the lesser team outgains you especially in, in a week one game like this so that was something to keep uh, an eye on uh, passing yards Southern Alabama 231 to Nebraska's 178 um, they were 19 for 35 whereas Nebraska was 13 for 22 um, the good news was how the defense for Nebraska did get three uh, interceptions but Nebraska still threw one they got to clean that up and then uh, Southern Alabama only had 83 rushing yards but again Nebraska was held to under 100 rushing yards against Southern Alabama that's a big uh, uh, a big worrying thing that I want to keep my eyes on going forward because if you're in the Big Ten, the one way that you win ball games is by dominating the line of scrimmage and dominating the run game. And if you don't have a run game and you become run and you become one dimensional, that doesn't bode well in this conference. And so that's kind of worrisome that going up against a, a much smaller team such as Southern Alabama, that Nebraska did not wasn't able to break the 100 yard rushing mark and that was and each and, and it's like both teams rushed the same amount they both had 44 attempts and even though nebraska had a little bit more 98 yards to 83 yards that's still rather uh, upsetting they only averaged 2.2 yards a carry 
I'm just saying, when they go and face bigger programs like Wisconsin, Iowa, Ohio State, stuff like that, that's not going to go well. If you do not have a running game in the Big Ten, you will lose more often than not. This isn't the Big 12 anymore where you can just sling it around and there's no defense. This is a smash-mouth league and you need, or a smash-mouth conference, I should say, and you need to have your offensive lineman coached up well to give you something, to give you just a little bit. I, I, I just don't see that. That I just don't see that boding well for them going forward. I think that's going to be a, a issue going forward in the season, something that they will have to improve. Um, and then overall, Southern Alabama had five turno- turnovers, but Nebraska still had three. We lost two fumbles and we threw an interception. Uh, that, again, is a thing that Coach Frost was trying to clean up. He was trying to work on, and it did get a little bit better, but you can't do that against a lesser team. I, I keep saying that over and over, but that's one of the issues with these week one games is in a sense there are no there are no win situ well there are no win situation if you win but if you win closely it's it's a bad thing so if you win if they were to beat them like 42 to 7 good that's what nebraska was supposed to do but it's not good because it's not really against a quality opponent here they didn't even they won only by a couple of touchdowns by 14 points and it was it's a no win situation for for these teams week one so uh, going forward, uh, Nebraska is obviously still a work in, in progress. I can see them moving up, staying where they are, or moving up maybe one spot because they won. Because there will be, like, Iowa State's going to fall out of the rankings, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, they're still going to stay in the top 25. But it's just something to keep an eye on when it comes to Nebraska we need to start really analyzing them and, and kind of take away from the rankings and the progress that C- Coach Frost is able to do and see what he is currently doing. Obviously, it's getting better, and they have put in a ton of work with his coaching staff, but uh, it's, uh, it's, still, it's still hard to, uh, to, to say at this point. And I know I said I, I, I saw 9-3. and three. I'm seeing eight and four, seven and five, but it's still going to be better. They're still going to, you know, they're still going to make a bowl game. I, I bet they're still going to win a bowl game, but uh, Nebraska is still still a long ways to go. But it's going to be interesting to see how the team develops this summer, not this summer, this uh, this season. My bad. Uh, going off of that, I will tell you what. What about that Oregon Auburn game? What about it? That Oregon Auburn game was so amazing. That was fun. And here's the deal. I'll admit, I wanted Auburn to win, and they did, but they didn't win like I thought it. I thought that Oregon... This is what I thought. I thought the the deal with um, Oregon and their quarterback was a lot like when Ben Simmons was at LSU. I think if I remember it correctly, when Ben Simmons was at LSU, he was the first over... First first round overall draft pick in the NBA to not make the NCAA tournament. And the reason why was because they knew all of the NBA scouts were going to be at LSU uh, looking at Ben Simmons. And so instead of playing like a team, a lot of those players had an ego issue and wanted to play on their own, which is why they never correlated the talent to the court that much. Because instead of playing with Ben Simmons, they played on their own because they knew every game they'd be playing in front of scouts. 
And I felt that that was going to be one of the main issues with Oregon. I thought that because the NFL scouts would constantly be looking at him, at that quarterback, at Herbert, and that team, that some of the players would would get a little bit of an ego issue knowing that uh, everyone's just talking about the first-round favored draft pick and no one is paying attention to me, the wide receiver, or me, the defensive lineman, or me, the linebacker, or me, the tackle. And that obviously wasn't true. I will say that the the coach at Oregon did a really great job of letting his team know that it is a full team game. That was one thing that I thought um Oregon or Auburn would completely uh, beat them at. I thought uh, 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 the coach at Auburn, um, Gus Malzahn, would would tell his team that they have one guy, we have twenty two. Let's let's take care of it. And I thought it would eventually break down on them, and that wasn't the case at all. Uh, Oregon, Oregon's coach did a really great job of letting his team know that it is a 22-man game and that you got to work together to get these big wins. And they played their hearts out. They did an amazing job. I know that was one of the big issues was you have a conference like the SEC that is in full control of everything. They have no issues to worry about in terms of prestige or national attention or anything like that. And then you have the Pac-12, which isn't a bad conference by any means, but because they're on the West Coast and because they are so far behind everybody else in terms of, of their time time zone, no one pays attention to them. And it's so hard, and I know they proposed the 9 a.m. kickoffs. So you had a, a conference that was fighting for life against a conference that had nothing but life in it. And my goodness... Here's the deal. Even though Oregon lost, they didn't. They only helped the pro the the conference, because they showed that they a belonged. Because I I don't know why a lot of people questioned why Oregon if Oregon could handle with Auburn like me, but I was wrong. As is a lot of other people. As was a lot of other people, but they they were you know in those blockbuster games one team's got to lose and the, and Oregon had to play that you know like they did in the national title game. Uh, you know uh, what was that? Eight eight years ago and twenty yeah eight years ago I think, you know someone's got to lose and again it had to be Oregon but man, what, what a game Oregon led twenty one to six with four twenty one left in the third quarter, and then the comeback started, and the the legend of Bo Nixon was born and my goodness I will never forget I I, I was sitting there and I was watching it every and I I'd, I'd flip back between them the Iowa game. You know, and, and but once I, I saw that Iowa was in full control, I, I just flipped to that game, and I picked it up when it was twenty-one to thirteen, um, and it and at that point, and I don't even know where I picked it up at. I think it was, I think it was near the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, because I know I watched all the fourth quarter for sure. But man, that that was just so amazing and energizing. Like my goodness, that that let. The, the story behind his dad being being a, a player at Auburn and then he coached his son and then he was a college coach and and being able to be there with his kid as he 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 put himself in immortality that's a game at Auburn that they won't forget it just it yeah it just warms my heart I mean that was another great part about week one when it came to the kicker who got the scholarship or whether it came to Mac Brown in North Carolina or this story here at Auburn that just warms your heart. You can't get that in the pros, and that was just a great uh, prize fight right there. Just you know, just a great comeback, a great last second touchdown pass. Um, it, it's a shame that the hail mary just w- didn't amount to anything because he just threw it out of bounds. Uh, but I can't complain with that. I can't complain with that game at all. Um, just 
fun way to finish the first week, uh, the first week of college football Saturday. So uh, another thing I want to do while while we're here is I want to look at the games of week two because week one's out of the way and you know week two's a little bit of the same but not as much. You still out, you're starting to get a lot more um, noteworthy games. So I'm going to go through what we have uh, in terms of the top 25 and see what games uh, could be kind of like about surprising games and what games just to not worry about. Ohio State and Cincinnati, I would not worry about that. Ohio State's going to cruise past them. It was a little bit scary what they did in their week one game. That was impressive. Uh, Ohio State, they're doing fine. Army and Michigan, this is a game that I would be worried about. and Here's the reason why. You may not remember this, but last year Army went down to Norman, Oklahoma, and and almost beat the Sooners. They almost beat them. I think it was an overtime. Um, so if I'm Michigan, I'd be a little bit worried. I would be a little bit worried about this game. Definitely not overlook it. Respect your opponent, and 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 because it's the Army is has a great coach that has them on the rise for for one of the service schools, and. They uh, are well-respected, and they have the ability to beat a, a, a Power 5 team. So don't take Army lightly if I'm a Michigan fan. You have Iowa at Rutgers. Uh, Iowa should win this pretty handedly, but again, um, you know Iowa isn't the most consistent team out there. So it'd be interesting to see how they, how they win this, or even how if, if they do win it by how much, because even though they're ranked, Iowa has never been a juggernaut of a, of a, program, of a program, and so... It's going to be interesting to see. They should win it pretty handily, but you never know. Syracuse and Maryland. One of the t- uh, things that was brought to my attention yesterday in watching the the pregame show or, or a halftime show was how, no, I think it was on College Game Day, they were talking about how no one pays attention to Syracuse and the ACC. No one at all. And it, it's true. No one no one pays attention. They're ranked 22nd in the nation. They, they're 1-0. They're going to face Maryland, which for them should be a pretty easy uh, win. Uh, and, th- and then... Um, they have the the big boys. They have Clemson, I believe, but I think that Syracuse uh it should win this pretty handedly. Hopefully, they they treat this as as a warm up game to um to Clemson because they will need it. That's for sure. Northern Illinois at Utah. Utah should win that pretty handedly. Texas A and M is at Oregon, um on ABC. Even Clemson is favored by nineteen points in this game, but. Man, that's gonna be another close back and forth game. Even though it's at Clemson, I think what Texas A&M is gonna have to do is they're gonna have to weather the storm in Death Valley. It's gonna be a big crowd. There's gonna be a lot of um, energy, a lot of um, a lot of emotion at the start of the game. They have to survive that first initial wave and then settle in and just start running their stuff. They need to start doing their reads. They need to start. Um, reading the defense, reading the offense, making their blocks, and just settle in. I think that it's going to be a game where Clemson's going to come and hit him in the mouth alone, and they're going to kind of ride that wave. And then once Texas A&M kind of settles down and, and makes it past that, they're going to they're gonna inch their way back into this game. I can see them pulling this off. I can. Will they? I don't know. Clemson is, a real, is the real deal. Very hard team, number one in the nation. Uh, at this rate, they have a 16-game win streak. Um I just hope, regardless, I hope for a great game. I think it's going to be a great game, but I hope, and I'm only saying that because Clemson's just a a great program. And so I think Texas A&M has the potential to pull this off. Not saying they will, but they have the the possibility to do that um, just because of how how well they're coached by Jimbo Fisher. 
Um, but I, I'd say probably the deciding factor in that that game is that Texas A&M is on the road. If it was at home, it'd be it'd be a different story. But because they're on the road at Clemson, it's going to be that much harder. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I will admit that it's going to be hard. Central Michigan at Wisconsin. Wisconsin should get that. Nebraska, Colorado. Again, this is a big game for Nebraska and Coach Frost. I said that last week, or I said that earlier. Uh, in uh, a past podcast, but this is a big game for his for his team. They barely they barely pulled out the win against Southern Alabama, and this is going to be again that first game against a Power Five team to see if they are are you know are improving because this was the game that sparked a lot of the issues for Coach Frost right away. The turnovers, the inconsistencies, not being able to dominate the line of scrimmage. This is going to be things that we here at at the Saturdays in the States are going to. This is a game, big game. We're going to be watching because we're going to be focusing on. Okay, did they dominate the line of scrimmage? Did they not do as many turnovers? Did they um, uh, have a more time of possession? Because that's another thing. Southern Alabama had a more time of possession uh, in our Week One game, and so it's going to be a thing that you know Nebraska is going to have to really um, correct. It's going to be at Colorado. It's going to be an away game. It's going to be a hostile territory. They're, both teams are undefeated. I mean, yeah, they're both 1-0, but still, there's a lot of reason for Colorado to have a big crowd at this game because of the old rivalry that used to be uh, in the Big 12. So I would be very—I I am going to be very um, keen of this game, be very aware of the, the potential it has for Nebraska. If they can win this game— um, it can bode well for them, but if they lose, it's gonna. I think it's only gonna be because a lot of the issues that Coach Frost still has to work on are gonna be showing up a lot more in this game than as opposed to the Week One game. So um, that's gonna be a toss-up game. I want Nebraska to win. I think they will, but again, it's gonna be really. It's not gonna be easy for them. New Mexico State, Alabama. Come on, Alabama. Do better at scheduling. Georgia against Murray State. That's good old SEC uh, scheduling. Northern Colorado and Washington State. Come on, Washington State, South Dakota, and Oklahoma. My goodness, make it challenging. UCF and FAU, that's a joke. And then we get to the game, LSU versus Texas, which is going to be on ABC. LSU is favored as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Is favored by three-and-a-half points, even though it's at Texas. And this is my issue with how people are viewing Texas. As you know here, my final four predictions to make it to the playoffs is Clemson, Alabama, Michigan, and Texas. And my problem, and I think a lot of people are kind of starting to warm up to this fact, no one's giving that much respect to Texas at all. No one um, no one is, even though they came off of a really great Sugar Bowl win last year against Georgia, um, I, I think uh, for some reason people look at the coaching staff or they look at the team and I don't know if it has to be a dominant win for them. To, I don't know, but I I think a lot of people aren't giving the respect that Texas deserves. And I think that they're going to show that they're they're the real deal. Um, uh, coach Herman is a great coach. He, he knows his players well now. He's been there for uh, a couple of years. Um, or, or I think this is year three. Yeah, so... I think Texas is going to pull this off, despite being uh, the underdog at home. I think he's going to uh, coach his players to to realize, hey, you know what? You've put in a lot of work. You've put this program back where it needs to be. And look, they still have no respect for you and the work you have put in here. So I think that that's going to um, that's going to be the mantra for his team going forward this week. Uh, LSU um, co- uh, coached by Coach O. Um, they're going to bring it to him. It's it's an SEC team, and that. Uh, that 
name is gonna that that name that stigma if you will i don't know if it's a stigma but like a stereotype maybe is gonna carry them carry with them into austin texas when they go into that game is no matter what it's an sec team at against texas it's not lsu versus texas it's an sec team against texas and i think that i i hope lsu kind of is a little bit more independent in their preparation for this game, and they don't rest on the fact that they're from that conference. I hope they realize that this is a game that you're going to have to put in work. You're going to have to respect your opponent. It's going to be a hostile crowd late at night. I mean, that place will be packed. It's a primetime game in Texas. It's probably been quite a while since they've had a meaningful one like that. I know the fans are going to be out in numbers for this game, and it won't be easy. And here's the other thing. It's an SEC team that is truly on the road. Normally when they have these big-time games, it's at a neutral site somewhere down south, which for them isn't a neutral site. If it's down in Georgia, that's not a neutral site for an SEC team. If it's down in Florida, that's not a neutral site for an SEC team. This is in Austin, Texas, where there's probably going to be very, there's going to be LSU fans, but very few. It's going to be a lot of burnt orange, and, and you know, it's going to be a lot of burnt orange. They're going to feel the effect of a true road game, not an SEC country road game, a true road game out of their comfort. And last, I want to remind you, the last time that they were at a true road game was when they went up north to Wisconsin at Lambeau Field and they lost. Even though it was split pretty well, and I don't know if they purposely did that. They wanted to kind of split it 50-50 just for the fans, Um, but... Here, I don't think that's going to be the case. I know Texas is not going to want to sell any tickets to LSU fans. This is going to be a hostile environment, a true road test for uh, LSU, and it's going to see if they are good enough. I don't think that they're going to be able to handle it. I think that's probably going to be one of the problems that SEC teams are going to start to face is the true road games. I think that all these these commissioners from these other conferences are going to kind of wake up and say, okay, you can beat us on a neutral site in the SEC country. Why don't you travel up north and play on a true road game uh, environment or travel out west or travel out east in a true road game environment? They haven't done that yet, and I hope that this kind of starts that trend and other teams start to realize that let's bring Alabama up to the big house. Let's bring Florida up to the shoe. Let's bring Georgia out to Kinnick Stadium or something like that. You know, whatever it is, just get them out of the South. Because down there, it's not that much traveling for them. All their fans are kind of down there in that country. So we'll see. That's going to be a really fun thing, is Texas earning the respect of the nation and see if LSU can win a true road game outside of SEC country. So... We have UT Martin against Florida. Again, come on, SEC, that's a joke. Nevada, Oregon. Oregon's going to have to really um, recover after that just amazing, stunning game against Auburn. Um, It's so hard to say, but, man, that was a great game, and Oregon's not going to feel that, and the Pac-12 isn't going to feel that. But it was was truly great. It, It was. It was back and forth. Again, there has to be a winner, and there has to be a loser, and they just had to play the loser in that game. If... I am Oregon. If I'm uh, Herbert for Oregon, if I'm or that that quarterback, I wonder what that does to my preparation. If that kind of wakes me up to reality, because this whole off season, I've been given a lot of this hype of, oh wow, I could be a first round draft pick. I could win the Heisman. I could do this. I could do that. Oh my goodness! But then I get outdueled by a freshman, true freshman quarterback. By the way, that was the first true freshman to start at Auburn since 1946. So I. Man, if I'm that quarterback, 
I think that loss will do a lot of good for him. I think it'll humble him. It'll it'll change his preparation. Because um, I think if you're up 21-6 to six and you're the quarterback of that team, you've got to start slinging it around and really show that arm strength if you're going to be that good in the NFL. I mean, you just got to. So I, uh, I think that, again, I think they'll win this one pretty handedly. But um, if I'm that quarterback coming off of that loss, I really use this game to really, uh, you know, self-evaluate where I'm at in my in my career here at Oregon and make sure that I'm really preparing and that my work ethic is backing up what I'm saying. Penn State against Buffalo. Penn State should win that handedly. My goodness, that first week one game was just almost illegal how good they did. Auburn-Tulane, that's going to be fun for them. Michigan State against Western Michigan, win for Michigan State. Washington and Cal, Washington did win this one pretty handedly, uh, but you never know. And then Stanford-USC, that's going to be fun. Now here's the deal. Uh, I'm in the central time zone, and it's 9.30 my time, which means it's 7.30 their time, which means it's 10.30 on the East Coast. And that's a true rivalry game in the Pac-12, and that's the problem is it's so hard to convince people to stay up for a 9.30 kickoff. Kicking off at 9.30, or heck, even kicking off at 10.30. That's hard, and that's kind of the stigma that, that has been brought about the Pac-12. I will say that, um, I will say that I think what they should do is what they did back in the day was have a lot, all of their games at 11 o'clock. Start them at 11 o'clock, start them at 2 or 3 at the latest. I think that's just a scheduling issue. I think they need to only have, uh, very, very few night games, because no one else is going to watch those night games. I think if, if I'm the Pac-12, I have a lot of daytime games. I think that's the only thing. I don't think they need to do 9 a.m. kickoffs. I don't think that's necessary. I think they should do 11, 12, 1, and 2, two o'clock kickoffs at the most. I think that's what they should do. Um, again, because of time zones and scheduling, it's so hard, but I mean, this is a really great game, and the fact is, not a lot of people are going to watch it if they're not on the West Coast. So, it, uh, it stinks. They're in a really tough position, especially in this fast-paced, moving world. But I think that'd be my uh, that would be my my solution to to what they're going to what they're dealing with right now. Anyway, I want to thank you all for listening. Again, if you have any questions, comments, uh, or you just want to reach out to me, hit me up on Twitter at apparker01. Thank you for listening. This was Saturdays in the States, and I cannot wait for and wait for an even better week two. Have a great week, everybody.